Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the podcast. Today I have the pleasure of hosting Josh Golem. He's the CEO of Hazel Health, a healthcare company that's reshaping the pediatric landscape by offering all children access to free healthcare through in-school virtual medical clinics. Hazel partners with schools to improve student health and decrease absenteeism by providing students with instant access to a network of doctors for a speedy diagnosis and care plan. Josh is an experienced senior executive and has co-founded new healthcare enterprises and presided over several large organizations fostering tremendous growth. As former CEO of direct primary care startup Paladina Health, which raised $165 million and was acquired by New Enterprise Associates in 2018, he has proven success in developing forward-thinking healthcare organizations while delivering exceptional clinical and financial results, which you all know, that's the key cornerstone of what we do here, Outcomes Rocket, Outcomes and Results. He's passionate for education and for engaging teams and partners in a vibrant, patient-centered culture that celebrates innovation. Josh received both his undergrad and MBA from the Stanford University, and it's with a pleasure that I give Josh a warm welcome. Thanks for being on the podcast, brother. Thank you for having me, Saul. Wow, that was quite an intro. Thank you. <laughs> hey, well, it's quite the career, my friend. So I'm, I'm excited to dive into the details and what's on your mind. And so to start things, what is it that got you interested in healthcare? You know, it's interesting. So I, when I was in college, when I went to college, I was sure I wanted to be a doctor. And you know, I, my, I was one of the first in my family to go to college. And I got there and I was taking the science classes and I loved them. And then I had this experience. So through Stanford Medical School, there was a program I got to run bringing high school kids from around the Bay Area. We'd, we'd find kids who are typically in underserved areas that were really high potential, and we'd bring them to campus for five weeks during the summer. Mm-hmm. And the goal was to get them exposed to science and hopefully get them to want to pursue the medical career. And so it was you know, one of those amazing experiences. I'd say that the kids we worked with impacted me in many ways more than I impacted them. And it got me excited. It made me realize that I, even though I'm really passionate about healthcare, I was more passionate around the sort of system side. And this idea, you know, in this setting is how can I get these amazing kids to get into the medical field and bring their talents? That was more exciting to me than the idea of me being a physician myself. And so but that drove a lot of my career choices along the way of how do I impact healthcare or the medical career from sort of a system and policy perspective. Love it, man. You know, it's so, so interesting how that happens. And and so here you are, I mean, still continuing with that drive, that mission to help our nation's youth through providing now healthcare to them. Access is a big problem. And so what's on your mind, man? What do you think the, the number one thing that needs to be on health leaders agenda today? And how are you and your team at Hazel Health approaching it? Yeah, you know, I think that like, I think broadly, one of the things I wish there was more focus on is particularly I'll say the underserved communities, but I'll talk about, I'll use the word just sort of Medicaid recipients in particular is a lot of folks. It's about right now in the U.S., about 40% of all kids, and I, I tend to think of pediatrics a lot, but of all kids get their insurance through Medicaid or what's called CHIP. And so, so it's both great that we have these kids that have about 95% of kids now have some kind of healthcare access. Mm-hmm. And it also sometimes pains me that there's not more of a focus on that population. And I, I read a stat recently that that Last year, there's $7 billion 
that poured in from venture capital firms, from healthcare systems and healthcare companies in this kind of big bucket of digital health. And so, and but if you actually pull apart the uh, the data, so little of that is focused on underserved populations. And a lot of that dollars are focused on people who, and I think this assumption that folks who are more well-off, middle and upper class folks. And it's interesting because there's both huge need. I mean, we spend, you know, most of our days are spent working with kids from all different parts of the country who really need access to healthcare. And, about, and the data shows about 95% of those families, of those parents have smartphones and are clamoring for more healthcare, more ways to access. But at least where I said, I don't see as much investment of these amazing new technologies and people that could probably most benefit from it. And so that's mm-hmm. the stuff that I get excited about. And I should say, we're, we're seeing a whole, we are seeing a big movement of other great organizations out there that are starting to focus there. But that's where I is this, this idea of could healthcare innovations be focused on all Americans, not just those that kind of the upper tiers. Yeah, I think that's a great call out. And and I think it's fascinating, the approach that you guys are taking. So you're taking a, a platform, which is a school, and, and this is where, where kids are. And you're, you're, you're quickly accessing these kids and giving them access through telemedicine. So I'd love to hear from you, Josh, some of the early results, how things are going, and maybe even an example of how you're creating results by doing it differently. Yeah, yeah. And, and if so, if you don't mind, like quick digression story, I'd love, like there's a personal story that guides a lot of my work. And so, so I've got three sons, uh, my oldest one, Gabe, who's actually now 14. But when you know, my wife and I went through this experience with Gabe, our first, so when he was 18 months old, uh-huh. we found out that he was deaf. And so it's, it turns out that my wife and I both have this recessive gene for deafness. Uh, connects in 26, and we didn't have any idea. We didn't have any history in our family, but all of a sudden, we found out at you know at our first child, our first time through this parenting thing, that one of our our son couldn't hear, and so hugely challenging, you know, as you can imagine, for especially imagine, for a first time yeah. parent. And we, this whole experience we had over the next six months of trying to figure out, try to better understand that because we were pretty uninformed. Try to how to navigate our health insurance, how to navigate sort of county and public services, and and you know we. So Gabe is doing fantastic, but we ended up getting him cochlear implants. And it was, it was a long, to make it sound simple, it was a really long journey for him to get to where he is now, which is he's doing amazing. He's about to go into public school, high school, getting straight A's. And it, the kid is my absolute hero. That's amazing, but I, man. Yeah. Nice. I, but, I, but I share the story because when my wife and I were going through this, you know, we were we both you know, well-educated. Um, I, we had good insurance. Uh, we spoke the language. And it was really, really hard to navigate the healthcare system, even with great providers out there. I mean, we had, they, we are, I feel so thankful that there was great physicians, audiologists, speech therapists, but just navigating that system was so incredibly hard. And there were a few times along the way when we were at places like you know, trying to figure out what county services that we could get. And we'd be in the room with other parents. And I remember just feeling like, my gosh, this is so hard for us to get what we need. And we're like coming from a place of privilege. It's, it's we know what to do to access it. And if we didn't speak the language, if we didn't have great insurance, you know, the trajectory would be much different. And so a lot of the work that drives me, and, and I think this kind of is part of the Hazel culture, is like, how do we make sure that everyone has access to great care and, and has a way to get connected into the to these great providers that are out there and, and to make sure that the system is an enabler and not an inhibitor of the people being healthy. So I know it's quick, quick digression. I wanted to no, share I'm that glad you shared it, Josh, because it's real. I mean, you know, it, it's real. And I, and I know that a lot of people listening can identify with that. It's we're all in the same boat. And so I, I appreciate you sharing it. Yeah, no, thank you. And, and so, 
what's interesting is, is we enroll kids into Hazel. You know, one of the things that we do is we ask for families, you know, we get a bunch of background information, get the medical history, but we also get some data on how their current experience of healthcare is. And what's interesting is we ask family who their primary care doctors are. And I, I should say, I am a huge believer in the importance of primary care. And everyone, you know, I think we'd like every person, particularly every kid, to have a local primary care docs. You know, the primary care physicians are, are heroes. And, you know, they're folks who do spend a lot of time supporting care. And sadly, when we enroll these families, they're typically Medicaid. Only about 50% of them tell us today that they have a primary care doctor. Even though they may have access through their insurance, they may have even been assigned someone through their insurance. And so a lot of the work that we imagine doing day one is how do we, how do we help bring that 50% broadly into the healthcare system? How do we give them a great healthcare experience and give their kids some access to care, solve some problems right there and then for them, but then also hopefully connect them to a local doctor over time that can also help make sure that they're getting the kind of local care that they need. And so that's a lot of what we're built around doing is how do you make sure that the things that, that all kids need, but particularly kids who are underserved, can get access to in school every day. Yeah, no, I think that's a great call out. And frankly, when you take a look at the social determinants of health, transportation being one of them, access is, is, is mainly to do with how do I get them there without missing a day of work to miss my rent payment, right? So it's hard to navigate and it's hard to work. So tell me, you guys are having some early success, but what, what are some of the setbacks you've had that you learned from that have made you better? Yeah, I think that the, you know, for us, like so much of the learning for us has been, I think I'm going to put a couple of buckets, but the first one is how do we really partner with schools and be great partners for them? And, and you know, schools, you know, there's most people, when they think of schools, you think of our, you know, these teachers that working hard for kids, but there's also this, all these other great folks in schools that are already doing things, like, you know, way before Hazel ever got involved. And so you've got school nurses that, you know, they're often like these superheroes on the front line working with both kids and their families there. There's, there's, you know, hopefully school, schools have social workers where they're dialed in. And it's, it's interesting because that, you know, that term social determinants of health, I'm a big believer of, but sometimes you know, people talk about it in the abstract. And when you, when you're working in a school setting, all that stuff is like front and center. And it's all the stuff that the school staff is navigating through. I mean, they're navigating through, you know, yeah, I mean, they're navigating through kids who may have food insecurities and may, you know, kids who qualify for the, free breakfast program, free lunch program, and whether or not they're able to access that. And we're dealing with you know, students that may be foster youth or, or homeless. And so in the, the school setting, I think for us, one of the biggest learnings is how do we start from a point of there's all this great work already happening. How do we support them? How do we use both our providers and the technology to help them make more progress you know, and, and connect the dots and get them more access to resources they have today? So that's, I'd say, on the, the partnership side. And then with families, I think a lot of the work that we've been doing is also just to realize that like, and to make sure that we are operating from a place of, of where they are. And so having been in healthcare for a long time, when I, when I think about this is, you know, we have a tendency to want after every single visit to solve some big problem for a patient or a family. And it's interesting because some of the families you work with, especially those that haven't really had great access to healthcare, We'll find that like some of the first couple things we want to do with the family when we're seeing their kids is just like is just make their life easier. And so like the, the example you gave of like, look, there's it's hard enough for me as a parent to get out of work, pick up my kids when they're sick, and I have relative schedule flexibility. But if you're paid paid hourly, your boss is upset if you leave work. You know, it's it's yeah. it's really hard for a lot of parents to get 
get their kids from school, let alone be able to get an appointment that same day. And you know, those families we work with, we're like, just you know, they like the first few times we interact with them, it's just like, we're going to solve that problem for you. We're going to make sure your kid was seen. Hopefully they're healthy enough. We actually find that kids are, as when they show up in the office, about 90% of the time, we're actually able to keep them in school, that they're, it's clinically appropriate so they can stay. They're getting more education. I mean, it's, it's great for them academically to have that academic time and it's so much easier for the family. And so we find as we solve that, that it's really important, but really simple issue that for those same families, when maybe later on, there's a more complicated issue we need to work through them with, that they trust us, that they see us as an advocate and that we're trying to, we're trying to help them and not just in where they need to be helped and not just what we want to solve. Yeah, that's a good call out. So Josh, at this point, you guys are operating uh, just in California or have you expanded beyond that? Yeah, so we're in today, we're in California, Nevada, and in Arizona. We're about 15,000 kids on service uh, right now. Got to come to Chicago, man. Anything I could do to help, let me know. <laughs> we would love to be in Chicago. Well, let's definitely chat after this. Uh, any, anything that we can help you with is uh, definitely a big deal because you're doing some great things. What would you say one of your proudest leadership experiences has been to date with the company? You know, it's funny because when I think of the things that get me proud, like I have this combination of an analytical brain and a very kind of like individual case brain. And so like the data, we, we get data back from schools because they're looking at how does Hazel impact attendance. And so at this macro level view, we'll have like, a, you know, we're seeing about a 40% reduction in health related absenteeism from our partners. And so when I get that data and all the, there's a ton of data out there that shows that absenteeism and attendance is correlated with academic performance, graduation rates, you know, even metrics like incarceration rates, that children's attendance is, you know, it's, it's sort of common sense, but it, what's interesting is even when you look at attendance rates in things like kindergarten, those play out in fourth grade, fifth grade reading and writing scores. Even when attendance gets better later in life, this being in school early on is a big driver. Mm. So I get fired up about that because I think about like the system level impacts of kids having more access to school. But then honestly, the stuff when I'm, when I'm driving home and I see my kids at night and I tell them stories about work, it's, it's always like in the individual stories. And so like just this week, this great story from our providers where a girl in one of our schools, I think she's a third grader, always been doing really well in school. The last few months, things have been taking a turn, having some behavior issues. And the school asked us to kind of get engaged. And also some, some things are showing up as physical health symptoms. Mm. And so our provider spent, we had a good chance to spend a good 15, 20 minutes with her and really do both the physical assessment, but also ask a bunch of sort of health screen, well-child visit sort of questions and uncovered a, you know, a bunch of stuff that was going on outside of a school setting that was playing out in, you know, in, in her physical health and, and, and her, how she was doing in school. And the ability to talk to them was interesting as we were doing this in partnership with the school nurse and the social worker, because we were all sort of trying to triangulate. And you know, we uncovered, I won't go into the details, we uncovered some stuff that was pretty important going on in this girl's life. And then we're able to partner with the nurse and the social worker to get her and her family the services that she needed. And yeah, and then the feedback that we got from, from the parent, not from the school site, was just awesome, because it was something that they, you know, within a few important steps that they were able to get 
and that the child's already doing. The child reports that she feels far better that she was able to share some of this and is getting some of the help that she needs. And that to me is just like, you know, this girl could be you know, my daughter or anyone's daughter. Like that's the stuff that honestly gets me the most fired up about the work that I do is the the little stories that we know that make up the big data genes. Yeah, that's huge, Josh. And And, you know, the thing that crossed my mind too is like suicide, you know, yeah. the thing that these kids go through and the pressures when you get into these social environments as, as a, as a young youngster, it, it's definitely uh, impactful work that you guys are up to. Yeah. I'd say that's, I mean, this piece around mental behavior health for kids. I mean, it's, it's hugely important right now. And luckily there's, you know, we're seeing a lot of people focus more energy there, but we were with a, a district, I wouldn't say the name, you know, earlier last month and you know, decent sized districts, they had already had eight suicides as a high school district, eight suicides this school year. And, uh, and I'm yeah, just, it's crazy. And, you know, a lot of focus we need to have as a country and how do we make sure that we're, you know, understanding the root causes, but particularly connecting kids who need it to the services that they need. Yeah, man, that's for sure. I was listening to a podcast the other day, how I built this. You ever hear that podcast? I have one of the guys, he was interviewing some rapper. I forget the rapper's name. I'm just like, this is going to show how bad I am at like uh, music <laughs> stuff. <laughs> but, but the guy had a song. Oh, the guy's name was Logic. And yeah. he had this song. And, and, and the name of the song is actually the suicide number, like the suicide line number. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I was like, I, I was really inspired by it. So the thought is, hey, man, maybe you guys should reach out to Logic and do a little thing with them because that, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> anyway, side note, reeling it back in. Totally great things to be proud of. What's a, an exciting project you're most fired up about today? Yeah, actually, it's, it's totally connected to the point you just brought up, which is, which is how do we start to integrate what we do in the sort of physical health space yeah. with mental behavioral health? And so We've been working with a number of districts to, you know, have some of them have already been trying to figure out this thing. Some of them, they're just trying to tackle it for the first time. But so much, especially for kids, but I think this is true for all of us, so much of mental and behavior health and physical health is connected. There's a lot of data that shows those two things work together. And so I'm excited just to figure out how do we actually build that more in our model, both, both screening tools but then also the ability to connect to other specialists these kids may need access to. Because there's still, I mean, there's both the identification of kids that may need access to services, but there's also then the referral process. And there's still a lot of stigma for all families around how to access these services. And so and the hope is that we'll be able to show that you can deliver, you can bring more of those services using technology, like the technology like we do for Hazel to kids in schools. And so I'm excited that we'll, you know, very soon have some programs up and running to assess whether or not we can, we can make a big impact in this area. Hey, that's exciting, man. Good for you. I, I think it's a, it's a great area to tackle. And it's becoming more and more of a focus for insurance companies, for providers, and also companies providing services like this. So kudos to you and your team. I always think of uh, Rene Descartes. He says, I think, therefore I am. It's integrated, my friend. It's integrated. <laughs> <laughs> wow. wow, Descartes and Logic in the same like three minute period. You're just closing everyone here. I'm very impressed. <laughs> oh man, one of those mornings, but hey, it's good. It's good. So this is the part of the podcast, Josh, where we do a lightning round and then we follow up by a book that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Yeah, let's go. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Improve healthcare access. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? I'd say to, to focus on the technology or the innovation as opposed to the, the patient themselves. 
How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? I think, honestly, listening, particularly to your patients, but also to your partners and making sure that it's very easy. I've found building companies to get so focused on what you're building and not so much what people are telling you they need. Wise words. What's one area of focus that drives everything in at Hazel Health? At Hazel Health, it's all about the kids and, may, and their families and making sure that we're always grounded in that every single day. Love that. And uh, I've got two new ones here. One of them is, what is your number one health habit? Ooh, health habit. That's a good question. I think the biggest thing I'm trying to build in for myself is just uh-huh. is to, to actually make sure that I actually take quiet time. Actually, some, I spend a lot of time on my own time on planes for work. And I always used to only get work done on planes. And very wise person told me is that's your one place that no one can reach you and to make sure that you always take at least 30 minutes of quiet reflecting time. And so from a, from a well-being perspective, that 30 minutes, I get unfortunately far too often that I have time on the plane to take the 30 minutes. Yeah. But that's been incredibly important, quiet time for me. And I try to build that into my commute now to, to and from work. That's great. And, and what do you do with the quiet time, Josh? Do you just meditate? Do you journal a mix of both? Or what do you do? Yeah, you know, for me, I found that I, I personally like it, reading something short and then uh-huh. reflecting or listening to a podcast or, or listening, just listening to music. It's something that triggers self-reflection and then making the time yes. I would say that I don't do this perfectly. Like if I actually journal something down or write something, that's the best way for me to turn it into action. But I'm only, you know, I'm only by 25% of the time likely to actually turn it into writing. But it's good to just have quiet <laughs> time. Good, no, that's awesome, man. That's a good practice. And what would you say is your number one success habit? Oh, gosh. Good question. Number one success habit. I think the best thing that I do that I ended up is when I like the thing that always grounds me is you know similar to listening to patients. Actually, I just like we have a provider huddle, so all the, the the doctors and PAs and NPs that work for Hazel they get together every morning and they're talking through both like specific clinical cases and what they're doing. And it is really easy in my role to get so caught up with building things and meetings and talking on podcasts and like talking about the world as if I'm the one doing it. And the yeah. best thing that I do, I was on yesterday, and this is like the story I gave came from that, is just when I just shut up and listen and hear what's really happening in the field and the questions. And you know, sometimes it's great stories. Sometimes it's finding out this like thing that we thought was brilliant innovation that providers hate and it isn't actually working or it's not actually solving a problem. And so you know, I'd say shutting up and listening is the best thing I can do and I should do it more often. <laughs> I love that. That's great. And what, what book would you recommend to the listeners, Josh? You know, it's funny because I, I a ton of books that I love. I'd say the one book that I brought back to every company that I've helped build uh-huh. is this company called, a book called Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni. And uh-huh. it's just a super, I don't know if you've ever read it before. I haven't. It's super simple. It's the kind of book you can read in like two hours. It's just sort of like a little bit cheesy fable, but it's all around it basically sort of team building this, this, yeah. this parable that you do around, like, what does it take to build a team? And so I, every company that I've led, we periodically review it every year or so. And then there's these sort of five principles of what drives effective teamwork. And we'll usually you know, read it, assess ourselves, but it's, it's always a simple, good grounding for what it means to, to build a strong team. Love that. Great recommendation is definitely on my list now, Josh. I appreciate that. And listeners put it on your list too. It sounds like a great one if you are a leader of an organization, which most likely you're listening to this, you are. So uh, outcomesrocket.health in the search bar, type in Josh 
Gollum, G-O-L-O-M, and uh, the company's name is Hazel Health, uh, doing some outstanding things for the nation's children. Josh, this has been an awesome discussion, and I'm definitely looking forward to following you guys. What would be your closing thought, and then the best place where the listeners could learn more about you and your company? Yeah, I mean, my, my disclosing thought is, like, I think I'm so excited to see so many talented people getting into both healthcare and in education. I mean, it's been, it's fun for me to see how many people have been re- like just investing and getting into this that maybe didn't happen 10, 20 years ago. So I would just love people, you know, my biggest push would be people who have passion and excitement to pursue that and to, to, you know, whether that's something like Hazel or something else to follow that passion. You know, we're growing Hazel. So we'd love to meet more people that are excited to work with us and our partner with us on the outside. So my email address is josh at hazel.co. So dot co, not dot com. But would love to meet other people excited about doing great work in healthcare and for kids in particular. Outstanding, Josh. And uh, folks, take Josh up on that invite. Reach out to him anytime. And you could find his contact info. Obviously, he just gave it to you, but also in our show notes. So make sure you check out the episode on the website. Josh, a true pleasure, my friend. Thanks so much for sharing your your wisdom on this front. Thanks, Hal. It was great to meet you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.